My skin is black. What you looking at? My skin is black. I feel so good to be black right now. (laughs) Welcome to episode 116 of the Black in Fashion podcast. Make sure you guys check out our Black Note series. You should be sending in any advice you need, questions. It can be personal or it can be fashion related and we will discuss on the show and kind of give you our, our expertise and our advice and little tips on it. Definitely make sure you are a part of our IMBNF campaign. We want to hear your videos, why you are black in fashion, what it means to be black in fashion. So please submit those to us via DM or our email. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to shop the Black Designer Closet Sale on our website as well. We have to keep the black dollar circulating. So I am Lenise Collier. I am your host. And today I am joined with Alicia. Am I saying that right, right? Alicia. 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 Thank you so much, Alicia, for joining me. How are you today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's just start. I like to do a little icebreaker before I start any episode. So we're just going to do a this or that, okay? So skinny leg or flare leg? Flare. Mule or wedge? Mule. Crew neck or v-neck? Crew. Side boob or under boob? Mm. Mm, right? Side. Hoop or stud? Hoop. Hoop. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always a hoop. Always a hoop. Okay, so uh, let's get into it. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, um, and how you started your fashion career. All right. Um, I'm originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. I moved up after college in 2016. Um, before I moved up, I had a chance to intern the summer before my junior senior year with Laquan Smith. Amazing. Which was, which was really nice. Um, I love all the big things he's doing now. He's so inspirational, down to earth. Like That was a really great experience. Um, I knew that when I moved to New York that I wanted to start my clothing brand, which is something that I wanted to do since I was seven years old. Nice. Um, it's just a passion that never left me, and it was just a natural thing. I remember that day like it was yesterday. My mom had a pair of jeans that were supposed to get donated to Goodwill. They were sitting <laughs> in the room for a week. <laughs> And um, I just took the jeans, took some scissors, started creating a handbag, took it to school the next day, um, got so many compliments on it, and that was just how I got my start in designing. Gotcha. So I started with purses, eventually moved to clothing. Um, so yeah, I moved to New York. I worked for a little bit, for about two years, and then I finally decided to take that leap. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where to even start, because in college they don't teach you how to start your business. It's just... What school did you go to? I went to UNC Greensboro. UNC, and they have a fashion design program. Yes. Gotcha, okay. So I have a major in apparel product design. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically just teach you how to make patterns, how to drape, um, but not how to start a business. Of course. So I was completely lost. Um, there's a company in New York, but they, ha- they have uh, different organizations all over the country. It's called SCORE. So they pair you up with a mentor. They help you write your business plan, um, nice. give you some advice. So that's where I started the initial process. And just through other connections that I made from my previous internship, I was able to land other people that wanted to help me and show me how to get manufacturers, how to get appointments. And with. you didn't come to LC Apparel Consulting? I had no idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing. You said- 2016, I'm like, we wasn't open in 2016. <laughs> I had no idea. We wasn't open in 2016. We opened in 2018. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's just it's just been a process, been a journey. Um, 
I when I did start my brand, I named it Evelyn Elizabeth. That was my grandmother, my mom's mom. Super sweet, classy, feisty, elegant, sophisticated. So that's who I based my brand off of. Um, and the first thing you made was bag, a bag. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just tell you something funny. <laughs> I learned how to sew, and I wanted to study to be a fashion designer when I was seven. My brand is Kali 18. That's my name and my grandmother's name. Cool. And I make bags. Cool. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my brand is named after my granny as well. Mm-hmm. I learned how to sew at a very, very young age as well. And yeah, and I make handbags. <laughs> nice. Coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, so I created a small collection first. The, my mentor that I had at the time suggested just making a few small pieces just to get my feet wet, get a feel for everything. Send out press release, not press release. I can't think of the proper term, but like send out like a brand X. Yeah, yeah brand to X. different um, media booties. outlets, right? Yeah. And just see what happens. Mm-hmm. I got a few bites from Bella and Gigi Hadid stylists that wanted to pull some pieces for a fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, later, they wanted to grab some more pieces for other clients that they had. Um, but I don't know. I guess I never really knew where to go from there. It's like even though you dress celebrity, if you dress a celebrity, it's like that's great press, but, but that doesn't make you any money. Right, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't actually uh, articulate to sales, you know. So that's the thing. Like, a lot of times, you know, a lot of designers are, you know, gung-ho on making sure they, you know, dress a celebrity, but the celebrities are not the general public, and they're not your consumer either. Um, a lot of times, they're not even your target market. <laughs> um, they have the designer brands that they work with. So sometimes I see that as a mistake that designers do make when coming out the door. So when you had your samples and everything like that done you did that first what was what did you do after that like did you try to do like a website launch like what was your retail distribution plan honestly i was thinking that after i sent out the images of my garments and i went into a few boutiques and stores just to show them the actual product and the quality um I guess I was hoping they would place some orders, but <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. You got to know the buyers and stuff like that. You got to be able to fulfill POs. A lot of it's, and in that, and honestly, in that world, and in, in the buying world, um, in the retail distribution world, it's all about who you know mm-hmm. and the relationships that you've built up with people who have uh, the the money to do so. Because like buyers are allocated a certain amount of money, you know, to buy for the stores, but then they're also allocated, you know, in certain areas. So like, okay, this is the sleepwear buyer this is the women's ready to wear buyer but it's definitely a a who you kind of know kind of world for sure absolutely one of my uh previous jobs i had a chance to meet sam edelman the shoe designer um and he actually put me in contact with one of his good friends that at the time was the president of sex so i was able to sit down with him and just show him what i had and just asking from a business standpoint like what should I do like I have no idea what to do mm-hmm. and he just kind of gave me the the rules he's like like you said as buyers they have a certain budget that they mm-hmm. work with and they need to know your brand story like who are you why should I buy your products and put it in the store and how do I know it's going to sell gotcha. comes down to the numbers and when he put it that way I'm like that is so true um yeah <laughs> you work in the fashion industry now no, I'm taking a little break. Yeah, I see why. Yeah. <laughs> You've been getting the damn runaround. Okay, so tell me about your experience. I know you. Uh, you know, we talked via email, and we talked about um, you putting your items in a particular store. Yes. Um, and tell me what that that experience was like. Was like for you? Share your story on that. Yes. So um, I was kind of at a standstill. Didn't know where to go. How to take my business to the next level. I was under the impression that if I put some items in a showroom just to get some extra exposure or to see if clients wanted to make or have garments made 
to order just to try all my outlets. So I put majority of my samples into a showroom that I will not name due to legal reasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And everything, it, it just was bad timing, honestly, because I signed a contract right before the pandemic started. Gotcha. So, so I had like, like January, um, twenty twenty, February, mid February twenty twenty. Okay, mid February twenty twenty. Three weeks of normalcy, and then all of a sudden everything shut down. So I expressed my concerns with the co-owner at the time, just like, hey, we're gonna call this store FS. And I expressed my concerns with the co-owner that, you know, everything that stayed in the contract, that I would get to participate in New York or Paris Fashion Week. Um, I would get a certain amount of pools per week for stylists or magazine shoots. Everything was shut down. So, so time out. This quick question. Mm-hmm. You did the showroom portion. You didn't do the sales floor. No, no. Just the showroom portion. Just the showroom portion. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Because I, I wasn't really confident with even producing garments for anybody which is weird because I feel like I want to take my business to the next level but then I didn't really know how to like when it comes to grading the patterns or knowing your the target customer's body prep like it's it's a lot that goes into it and I was really kind of nervous like I don't know if I want to jump right into sales or do I want to just see what you want to test the market first as you should you should always test the market we do you do got to get your sizing stuff like that down before you start testing the market and then just make updates to it but just to give you guys a little background information the particular store that we're talking about is a store it's a collective for aspiring emerging designers and is located in New York City Um, what they do is they provide um, a showroom option as well as a retail option for aspiring designers to basically rent for a certain amount of time you can rent um, a rag or you can rent like a wall if you have like accessories or whatnot and you can be in the showroom portion where you get the pools and stuff or you can be on the retail side where um, they would sell your merchandise in store um, I've worked with them in the past I worked with them when they literally first opened because I've actually worked in the store so when they first opened you they had a sign-up sheet mm-hmm. where the people whose brands were in the store had to work at the store So you'd have to sign up at least two or three days out the week for you to be a salesperson in the store. And you would sell, of course, your merchandise of the stuff that you had there. It was either you or a representative from your company. You would either have to sell your merchandise and stand close to your merchandise. And then you could also, you know, help with other, you know, people's merchandise in the store as well. So that's how the initial setup was. And literally when they first opened, that's how it was. Like you had to be there, which to me made sense because ain't no one going to be able to sell your product like how you do on the retail side at least. They didn't have to even have the showroom side originally. That's that's new. Um, That's not something that they had um, in when did this shit open? In 2015, 2016, that's mm-hmm. when they had it where you had to like be in the store, which I thought was a good idea. We even do a party in the store. Um, mm-hmm. Me and the designer that I was working for at the time, I was a production and product development manager when I originally was working in this store. I had just started my LC career. And, you know, it was your job, I guess, to like really, really put your merchandise out there. But they since changed those guidelines and hired sales associates for the store and, you know, created like a showroom and stuff like that. So I just want to give y'all some background on this store but go ahead continue, continue with <laughs> what happened with you um let's see yes so pandemic hit I had concerns about the contract because everything was shut down nothing was going on mm-hmm. uh, long let's see i can't skip over that part you um, don't have to tell us though we i said we ain't gotta say no names but fs is tripping <laughs> <laughs> and um so they paused my account until the city reopened 
city reopened. The buzz still wasn't the same as before um, the city shut down. So I'm still expressing my concerns. Like, I'm really not looking forward to moving forward with the contract when things are just so uncertain right now. 2020 was a wild year, and we had no idea what was going on. I seriously thought we all were going to die. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I could care less about a showroom right now. Like, I think we're all going to die. Um, and I just stopped. I stopped paying because I felt like I wasn't getting any bang for my buck. As you should. Um, May I just add to this mm-hmm. that before the pandemic, there still was not a lot of foot traffic, and it still wasn't beneficial, just so you know. So I, I don't want you to blame the pandemic on what happened mm-hmm. to you. The store is just... It's just not great. Like yeah. the money that you pay pays their rent and it pays for their employees. But if you were to look at and back then you can look at the sales too. Like there was mm-hmm. a clipboard at the top of the register or whatever mm-hmm. where you can see. And even then, the sale it was never there. You know, wow. like to me they don't push enough for sales and making sure and that's just in the sales department. And I can only imagine if you could not pushing on the sales floor, imagine what's happening in the showroom portion. Yeah. It's just there. It's really just a place where people can pick up, you know, stylists can pick up stuff for their photo shoots. But like I said, their photo shoots don't make any money. So really, to me, the entire store is a sham, Mm -hmm. in in my opinion, just because, and not just for black designers either, because one of the designers I work with who had the same issue, she was Polish. And she had really nice apparel, and it was great, but I literally went in there and took her stuff out the store too. Like, I went to the inventory room, grabbed all our hangers, grabbed all our stuff, Deuce. I walked in there another time, got some for another client. She had outerwear and it was sitting on the main. It was her samples. Mm-hmm. It was her samples and her samples weren't in the showroom. It was samples on the sales floor, which also made no sense, you know? So I'm just like, why would you take the only samples that you mm-hmm. have and put them on the sales floor knowing that if somebody wants to buy it, they have to have it made to order? That's not how retail works. When you walk into a retail store, you usually want to buy off the rack. You don't want to make it with to order. So it just, they sold her a dream, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just, it sounded good. You yeah. know, the whole thing sounds good, but yeah, think about who you're surrounded by. And think about the people who shop in Soho. And think about the people that shop in the Soho neighborhoods and in the downtown Manhattan neighbors, the uptown Manhattan neighborhoods, and you have a store like that with price points all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you got price points with people that are in contemporary mm-hmm. and bridge and moderate. And, it's like it's so much different things that the, anybody shopping in that store is fucking confused. Yeah. You know, like you might, you might as well just do a whole bunch of pop-ups and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> then to pay for something like that. But, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So back and forth, back and forth with not wanting to proceed. I went in person to retrieve my samples. They told me that a few items were still out and I could grab everything all at once. They'll let me know when everything's back. It's like, okay. So I followed up with an email like, hey, just let me know when everything's all there so I can come and collect it. And I got hit with a response that after you pay your balance, then you can pick up your stuff. Like until you pay your balance, your stuff is staying here. So honestly, at that time, I was just like, okay, if it's just going to sit there until I pay you, then fine, it can wait. Because that was still early 2020. Like, my, it was just a rough year. Mm. It was a a rough year. 2020 was definitely a rough year. (laughs) It was a rough year. Um, Yeah, and, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) You were waiting on them to tell you that when all of your stuff was there, then you got hit with that email that said you can't pick it up and it's going to sit there, but... And in my mind, it was kind of like, okay, if it's just going to sit there till I pay, okay, that's fine. I have other things that I need to take care of, like my rent, my food. Like, it was tough. It was, I was strapped. So, 
finally able to satisfy the balance and I got hit with the response that my items were donated because they were sitting there too long. You paid the balance before no, it happened? No, no, no. Oh, I, oh shit. No, okay. no, no. Okay, okay. You were about to pay the balance. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha, 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 okay. And I was notified that my items were donated and... To who? Never told me. Interesting. Never so told yeah, me. items were donated. Uh, when were they donated? Like a month before? A couple weeks before? At what point were they... Know donated i have no idea they would not answer any of my questions um i have everything documented like did you ever go there no because i want everything in writing i don't want them to tell me oh we sent it here we sent it there and just make something up i want to get it in writing what they tell me when you originally took your items there you shipped them or you took them there i took them there personally and were you ever able to go in the showroom yourself or is something that you just gave it to them and then did you have access to the showroom so that you can like walk around and see it yourself? They had all the items like in a downstairs room on a rack and it was kind of divided. And that's by the showroom. The, right. So that's where the stylists and everybody like come through and I guess look through the clothes. And I want to go down there and see if they really own. I do. I just can't. I mean, because it's like, who are you donating them to? You know, like, I can't. Well, granted, it is a tax write off if they give it to like a pick purple. um, Because we do a clothing drive at the end of the year and we donate a whole bunch of, we donate a whole bunch of stuff too. So if they did donate it, they would have ended up donating it towards the end of the year or sometime, I guess, in 2020. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know. I wouldn't even want to call their bluff. I would want to go and see because I I, I had items there too. Mm -hmm. I had had my bags there. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I decided that I didn't want to pay any more and stuff like that, they also told me the same thing they told you, Mm. which was that you cannot come and like pick up your items or whatever. So I wasn't tripping because I took all the stuff that I had sold on my website. I had had picked that up like maybe like two weeks prior. I had sent one of my interns down there. I'm like, get all my wristlets, get all my coins purses get this 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 and this mm-hmm. and i took all the stuff that was important to me the bags to me they were like left over there were the samples and i had already i had stock of everything so okay. i wasn't tripping off yeah. of it i'm just like i got inventory like yeah. Yeah. i'm not tripping so if you um but i'm like i'm not paying additional money and i did the math on the bags that were there and mm-hmm. i'm like okay well if they sell them all they'll get their money <laughs> And that's how I kind of took it. Like, yeah. I know, honestly, I was just like, then I don't get my bags back. And I mad, I do my math. I'm like, oh, okay, boom. So as soon as they sell them bags, that's all your payment right there. Yeah. Actually, it's, uh, it wouldn't cover the whole payment. So <laughs> I didn't pay for two months. I just mm-hmm. I only paid the first month. Mm-hmm. I paid the first month, and then I realized, and, you know, to my, you know, because I had worked with them in the past, because they had a whole new system now, you know, I wasn't sure if it was gonna work, but I'm like, I got inventory, so I'm not tripping. But the conversation that I had with the owners and co-owners was that they had made so many different updates from the beginning, and when they had started out, it was a lot different. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, you know, we didn't have this then, and we didn't have this then, and like it made even to me, and I'm very well versed in business, but you know, it sounded good. Yeah, it did. It sound it sounded really, really good. It seemed like they had made a lot of revisions and updates. Come find out the same damn company doing the same damn shit that they've been doing for years, shaming people <laughs> like, all the time. Where it's like they can't sell, and that's what it is. Like you can't, they can't sell the merchandise, and that's the whole point of retail distribution is to be able to sell. Mm-hmm. If you can't sell, then yeah, what's the point? Yeah. You know, so yeah. <sighs> so now we're here, where they have, and about how much merchandise in total was it that they donated? Those samples were worth. Over 15K. 15K worth of samples. You have your patterns, right? Your original ones? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. So you have your patterns, but all your samples mm-hmm. are pretty much gone. That was all the production, imported fabrics, 
labor costs. And, and you did all your samples and here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. know that it was. Yep. And yeah. that's not even including the emotional damage. So, well, I can't say too much, but yeah. <laughs> for the extra products. <laughs> you, we, we said a lot without having to say too much at all. Okay. But yeah, so I guess, you know, and the reason I think you reached out to me in the first place was just to make awareness so that mm-hmm. this doesn't like happen to anyone else and that, you know, you make sure you really read the fine prints of these contracts and stuff like that. And it's okay from a business standpoint to counter a cop counter a uh, contract so you they it's all fine and dandy for people to send over their contracts like that but you need to put some clauses in there that protect yourself mm-hmm. i gotta sneeze <coughs> bless you <coughs> thank you if you know for some reason a contract needs to be terminated to lack of you know sales distribution or lack of what you put into there needs to be a clause in there for you like contracts a lot of times when someone sends it to you to sign it or whatever you can come back that oh i need this contract's supposed to help both people mm-hmm I need this to go in there, and especially with those concerns that you had with what's going on, you know, if after the first month or 30 days, if I don't see something, like, I can cancel this after the first mm-hmm. month, you know. So, um, I do encourage designers that are not well-versed in, you know, um, when it comes to just working with business-to-business transactions, that you are making sure that you're not just signing your life away on these contracts and making sure that you are writing back the things that you need. You know, like it's a business relationship. It's supposed to work for both people. So with it working for both people, you have to have you have to have your demands set in order as well of what you want. And that's just something that comes with time and experience and or having like a mentor and stuff like that. Just don't be signing on the dotted line. You have to counter, especially if something is like, oh, you know, we're not going to get your money back. And I know with your contract, it has said nothing about if you lapse in payment. So that's another thing too. So that's why she is pursuing legal action because there was nothing in that contract that said that, oh, your items will be donated or this, this, that. And I think that's really unfair because I'm going to be honest, like from my, from my standpoint, I've had designers that didn't pay and I have their stuff too. I never am donating it. It's sitting at the top of my rack. So we move everybody who is non-compliant or we haven't heard from or someone who didn't pay, we move them to the top of the rack or we'll terminate their project and we'll give them a credit. Mm -hmm. But we never will throw your stuff away. We will never donate yourself to anyone because we're hoping that at some point you will be able to come back to us, you will be able to pay. And if you can't, even we terminate the project, the stuff is still there. Like, it's no reason. I literally had a lady come this week to pick up some samples from me that she left with me in 2018. Twenty and I and I could have charged her as a storage fee because I've moved four times since then. She was with me before I even. But my thing is the relationships that you build and how you treat people is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had thought about it long and hard. I'm like, I haven't heard from her in three years. I don't even know if I should uh, ch- charge her for this. But it's just like, if I ain't heard from her in three years, clearly she ain't got it. That's the first thing that came yeah. to my mind. The second thing that came to my mind was she did pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was paid for. So why am I, you know, why am I holding on to it? I mean, not that I'm holding on to it, but like why charge her a fee? It's literally just been on a bench, sitting on the rack for years, you know, collecting yeah. dust, and it's fine. Gave it to her, and I told her, you know, that I was like, you know, I should have charged you a storage fee, but I'm not even like that. I'm like, I'm there to you. I'm going to give you your merchandise. Thank you for being one of the first people to work with me also, you know. And then down the line, what is she going to do? She's probably either going to come back to me for more services or she's going to recommend me right. to somebody else, yeah. you know. So those relationships that you build is great. And then for retail partner distributions, I just always recommend with – designers as a whole create your retail and your strategy plan from day one it's always going to be some shit that pops up on instagram or pop up in your email marketing that comes to you that's gonna sound really really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. but to just make sure that it doesn't take you away from your plan so 
you could have used those samples to do a lot of more things on your own, create your own marketing plan, do your own pop-up shops and stuff like yep. that, and even use the money that you spent there to do those things. Yep. So just make sure that you're being strategic, you know, in your in your in your entrepreneurial journey for sure. And definitely like I'm glad you reached out to us. Definitely be a part of different communities because we have you know, we have a big group thread, you know, and we talk and we have um, our monthly wellness checks and we have our brunches and stuff like that. So having a community that you can be a part of, definitely seek those out. They don't cost anything to be in the BGDC is nothing. <laughs> it's just your time, you know, like to dedicate to, you know, us doing a customer service and, you know, just helping one another. Like that was the goal, like to just help one another just try to figure this shit out because that's honestly what we're doing like we're you we're all trying to just figure out this figure this shit out yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know <laughs> yeah. yeah so right now you're taking a break do you plan on continuing maybe later down the line like you oh, know yeah, like yeah. they didn't fuck you up to the point where you just like oh, i'm no, no, completely unmotivated yeah no um the drive is too powerful to ever absolutely stop. so it's a learning experience. Um, and we going to make, you have patterns, so we going to make those samples over. Yeah. We going to make them over. Yep. You might update them, them yep. and perfect and them, them and make yep. the samples over, mm-hmm. affect the patterns, make sure the fit and everything is right, and yep. get you a sales strategy, and then you can go from there. So this is a downfall, and this is actually one of my segments that I do in the podcast or whatever. It's called It's a Success mm-hmm. or It's a Disaster, and you talk about something that went to shit. But you learn something from the experience, yep. yeah. You know, and you definitely, you definitely learn something from this experience. So that's the that's the great part about it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I cannot start or stop any episode without mentioning our amazing sponsors. This episode is actually sponsored by Gym Slut. Gym Slut is a Houston-based brand. Um, it is an athletic wear brand, so make sure you guys check it out. It is sensual. It is sexy. It is versatile. Um, make sure you guys check out Gym Slut online. She'll be releasing a new collection this fall. Everything is very sensual. When you go to the gym, you want to feel sexy. You know, you want to feel confident. So definitely check her out she does do uh wholesale as well if you guys want to check out some of the pieces that she currently has and then her exclusive collection will be out in the fall because she is an lc apparel consulting client <laughs> <laughs> so uh well we shared your it's a success it's a disaster so the last part of it is uh last segment is it's a muse so if you just want to share a mantra an affirmation a prayer, a book, anything that just keeps you going that keeps you motivated that you would like to share with another entrepreneur Mm-hmm. What you got? <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I guess it's maybe not a mantra, but I, I ran across something um, the other day online and like a quote basically saying that there will never come a time in your life where everything is perfect. Like you're always going to run into obstacles or problems. So don't expect everything to be peachy all the time. And that's something that I'm having to understand at first with this whole trust situ- the process. Yeah. This whole situation that mm-hmm. happened at first. I kind of was like, well, you know what? I don't like crying over spilled milk. What's done is done. However, mm-hmm. this was wrong that this showroom totally took advantage of me. And I'm not going to be quiet about it. And I'm not going to just sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to just put on my big girl panties and get down to business, contact these lawyers, get some, you know, just start making moves. And absolutely, it's never going to be easy. So You want me to represent your girl? <laughs> So I just have to suck it up and go Look for it. Look at me. I'm like, and if you need me to, I, if you need me to represent you, I will. Okay, okay, I will. I don't. I won't have that Esquire behind my name for another month. But uh, not another month. I got another year. <laughs> I have another year before I actually finish that fashion ball program. But yes. I will. Yes. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm like, because I don't want things like this to happen in the fashion law program. That's a lot of what we do: contracts, copyrights, patents, mm-hmm. stuff like that. We learn how to do all of those stuff so that we can help designers protect themselves. Nice. Yep. So there will be more fashion law attorneys out there. I'll be one of them. Soon come. All right, and as I say, guys, stay black. Peace out. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Gem Slut, Harlem Fashion Week, Nisha Star Aesthetics. So definitely check out all our beautiful sponsors. They're all black-owned businesses, and all of their information will be located in the show notes. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out.